2: What's gonna to happen tonight? What's gonna to happen? We're gonna whoop them. <laughs> Have you got Romo yet?
3: Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Big, big game coming up this week. Time. Gotta forget Georgia, guys. It's in the past time. The, the future is uh, Tigers. The past is dogs. If uh, if you don't win these next three, it's not going to matter where you are in the playoff rankings time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and his horrible intro coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a very sunny, very pleasantly warm Unseasonably warm Thursday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, where uh, in almost exactly 48 hours from the time we're recording this at noon Eastern on Saturday, Tennessee will host a regular season finale against Missouri. Noon Eastern, CBS, the greatest network that's ever existed in the history of the world or ever will exist in the history of the world, empirically stated fact there. Not something that I'm contractually obligated to say. Maybe, maybe not. We just don't know. You'll never know. I'll never tell. Joining me in this episode, we got Ben McKee over at Ben McKee's house after what is, oh God, just the worst intro we've ever had. So bad, honestly, that I'm just going to leave it in because I think people need to see us in all our warts sometimes. Ben, what's up, man?
2: Not a whole lot. Not not a whole lot in my world except for everything going on and. In- tennessee's world and that is the vols trying to make the college football playoffs here these last three weeks of the regular season tennessee basketball is officially underway they they've got a a neat game on sunday against colorado and bridgestone arena and then tennessee wrapping up Tennessee baseball wrapping up fall baseball this weekend with with its orange and white world series so uh, a lot going on over on campus and Plenty of coverage over at Govols two four seven, and I know everybody's real excited to see Tennessee back out on the football field this Saturday to try and right the wrongs of last weekend against Georgia and West. You you said it, it; it is a big football game. Maybe not the the brand that Tennessee is playing. It's Missouri football. Being completely honest, not a whole lot of people care about Missouri football, but it is still a very big football game because Tennessee needs to win and it probably needs to to win in sexy fashion, if we're being honest.
3: Probably. I I will say this, though, um, and and I I think – I know I've watched several Mizzou games this season. I imagine you've seen parts of several of them, Ben, as well. You know, SEC Network kind of runs everything all the time, so you either catch something while it's going on or not long thereafter – and if you're a Tennessee fan who pretty much just watches Tennessee games and, and so th- there's no crime in that, but you don't watch a ton of the, the games around you maybe, you might y- your last big impression of Mizzou other than almost beating Georgia this season might be uh, last season when Tennessee took just absolutely decimated one of the very worst defenses that I've ever seen in 20-plus in, in years of covering this league. Uh, and, and you might be like, oh, well, this is another laugher. I got news for you. Look at the schedule this season. Look what Mizzou has done this season. I don't want to put any fear into anyone's hearts about what this game is. This is a game Tennessee should win. Tennessee is favored by 21 points. But I will be honest with you. I don't know that I can, in good faith, pick Tennessee to cover. I think Tennessee wins this game pretty comfortably. Look at Mizzou's schedule. Every game – with with the exception of that game against Kansas State where it threw like three or four interceptions, had a terrible day. Every other game has been close. Like the Mizzou defense last season that gave up, could have given up like 100 points to Tennessee in a game. I mean, it was probably the worst defense I've ever seen. You go look at this year again, look at this schedule. I'll tell you what this team has done. It, since the start of SEC play, lost 17-14 at Auburn in overtime in a game where without a weird fumble, it wins. Loses at home 26 to 22 to Georgia. Loses at Florida 24 to 17. Beats Vanderbilt 17 to 14. Beats South Carolina on the road 23 to 10. Loses at home to Kentucky 21 to 17. Those are all basically one possession games. Those are one score games that came down to the very end of the fourth quarter. This team has been better defensively. Offensively, it's kind of butt. And, and and that that makes you think that if Tennessee gets a little bit going and, and it can get downhill, then it could maybe end this thing and 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 run away with it. But on paper, this defense, Ben, it's not bad. Like the old D-line zoo is back. They're they're disruptive up front. They're getting vertical. Like Tennessee's gotta come out in this game and take care of business. If Tennessee is still thinking about Georgia, still thinking about the playoff. It, it it could run the risk of making this a dangerous game Saturday. I think I I, I don't I'm not trying to alarm anyone, but looking at it, I, I, look at what Mizzou's done this season.
2: No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it is one that that Tennessee is going to certainly have to show up and and be ready to go from kickoff, and that that alone is a, a fascinating storyline this week in terms of just simply showing up for kickoff because it's Senior Day and emotions are, are going to be flying high. And a lot of the key players that Tennessee relies on is going to be running through the tee for the final time. They're going to have their families on the field. Uh, they're they're going to be feeling those emotions of it being senior day. So Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, Princeton Fan. Uh, it, it sounds like Jacob Warren is probably going to go through senior day festivities despite having an extra year That surprises of me.
3: That surprises me.
2: Well, I, I don't think a final decision has been made on his end uh, of what he is going to do. I, I just do think it is less likely that that he returns than than what it was at the beginning of the season. I I I thought that there was absolutely no doubt at the beginning of, of the season that Jacob Warren would be back, and and now I would I, I would say it's a 50-50 decision. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there, but. A, a lot of key pieces to the offense, uh, and, and even defensively, Trey Flowers going to be going through uh, festivities. Jeremy Banks, uh, some some defensive linemen, they're they're, they're going to be feeling those emotions. So it's important that Tennessee gets off to a good start. Not necessarily the great start that it had last year in Columbia, because that that's unrealistic to to expect every single game but something close to it to, to put Missouri away early in a sense and not allow positive momentum to, to creep up for Missouri. Uh, it's, it's important that Tennessee gets going from the jump, and uh, we'll see if they can do that with, with the Senior Day festivities because this is a Missouri team that is capable of hanging around. Uh, it, it, it is a game that I expect Tennessee to win, I expect Tennessee to win by double digits, and I'll probably pick Tennessee to win by about 20 points or so. But as you alluded to, Wes, Missouri has done some nice things this year, even outside of the Georgia game, to to where it could possibly give Tennessee an issue or or two here and there. And I'm not worried about Missouri's offense from Tennessee's perspective. I I would be very surprised if even a Tennessee defense that – isn't the bread and butter of this particular Tennessee football team, I would be surprised if, if they got shredded. Brady Cook doesn't scare me as a quarterback. I don't think Missouri's all that great up front along the offensive line. and uh, They have Luther Burden, the five-star receiver, but outside of Luther Burden, they have some veterans, but none of those veterans at receiver or running back are going to keep me up at night, to be quite honest with you. So it's going to come down to – Can Tennessee show up ready to play at 12 o'clock on senior day with all those emotions and the area that will allow Missouri to hang around maybe a little bit longer than they should is their defensive front that you talked about. Their, their defensive front is really, really good. They, they, they're really, really physical and they, they have played well all season long and they've gotten better all season long and the Missouri defense has gotten better as a whole all season long. So Tennessee's offensive line is going to have to have a bounce back game. They they did not play well uh, against Georgia this past weekend. Uh, aside from the pre snap penalties, the the other issue, other biggest issue was the the physicality and, and the fact that Georgia was the more physical team. Missouri is a very physical defensive front, and a Tennessee offensive line that did not handle the physicality of Georgia very well last weekend. Is going to have to have a bounce-back game. And, and, Wes, I expect them to because outside of the Georgia game, Tennessee's offensive line has been the more physical team, more physical offensive line in the trenches all season long. They, they played well against Florida. They played well against LSU. They played well against Alabama. And Missouri's defensive front is more on par with those teams than a Georgia defensive front that is just clear-cut better than everybody else in the country.
3: Yeah, that was the first game all season where, where Tennessee really lost up front. I mean, you, you had incidents like uh, the play that really probably, if we're being honest, should have been called either an incomplete pass or a safety, and it was called neither of those. It was called the one thing that it definitely wasn't, uh, which was a fumble that then was returned out of the end zone. And on that play, that came down to just a simple one-on-one play where Javante Spraggins got blowed up and – that kid does not get blown up a lot. That kid is very, very good. Um, he just he got, you know, he he got runned over basically on that play is what happened. He done got runned over, and it led to some problems. and, and they had a, they had trouble picking up some of those blitzes. Like there were times last week where, you know, Georgia kept running that field nickel blitz or whatever it was, and and Tennessee they they ran that thing probably half a dozen times, and like almost all of them landed. Uh, because you would have a, a deal where Tennessee had one guy who wasn't blocking anybody and then one guy trying to block two guys. And and just that, that one blitz caused Tennessee as many problems as the false start penalties did. That one single blitz that they kept running time and time and time again. And I didn't realize during the game that it was the exact same blitz. I realized it was the same kind of players, same couple guys. I didn't realize it was almost the exact same blitz, and then I, you go back and watch it, and you're like, "Oh my god, they ran it again! Oh my god, they ran it again! Guys, do you not see it? it's coming again? Guys, it's coming again! Do you not see it?" And they just didn't, they didn't pick it up all day, uh, and, and that to me, there are a couple of reasons why I, I think, and you notice this in Heupel's uh, coach's appearance, coaches' show appearance on vol calls on Wednesday night, where he made it a point to say, "I would really like the crowd to be there early and loud in this game." Because I think he knows coming off that game against Georgia, he likes that the team is motivated and focused. He thinks they've put that behind them. But now you got to worry about, are your guys thinking about the playoff and not this game? I think he wants the crowd there early. I think he wants the crowd there loud. I think he wants them to bother Mizzou. I think he wants them to get his own team revved up. And I think he wants to go ahead and get off to a good start and take care of this one.
2: Well, and and on that note, Wes, I – and getting away from the X's and O's of this football game and talking more big picture, I expect Tennessee fans to to show up and, and be ready to go from the jump. So don't take what I'm about to say as me thinking that Tennessee fans won't show up, but they need to this weekend. They need to have their butts in the seats, not a kickoff, even though it's a, a nooner, they need to be in the seats, 11, 15, 1130 Eastern time. To show up and give Hendon Hooker and the rest of these guys a nice round of applause because of the joy that Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman and all of these older guys that have helped get this thing turned around much quicker than it should have been, they they need a, a huge ovation. So I and I think Tennessee fans will do that. But for anybody that was thinking about a time that they should show up and and uh, we'll get there right at kickoff since it's a nooner. Well, think about all the joy that Hendon Hooker has put into your life this season and the tail end of last year and the hope that he has given. And I think that that remembering that would be enough to, to get your butt in the seat pretty early. And and that, I think that's what Josh Heifel was alluding to, kind of w- without saying it. And again, I expect Tennessee fans to be there. It's going to be sold out. There's still a ton to play for. Even though Tennessee's not going to Atlanta to play in the SEC championship game unless one of the all time collapses happens from Georgia. Yeah. Not you're you're still not happening. if everything plays out on paper, you're still gonna go eleven and one and seven and one in the SEC with wins over LSU, Florida, and Alabama in the same season. And your loss was to Georgia, which is a rival. But I, I think Georgia's by far, the the clear favorite to win the national championship after what they did this past weekend, I would be very surprised if Georgia did not win the national championship based off of what we just saw this past weekend. So your only loss came to the eventual national champion, possibly, which oh by the way would be back to back championships for Georgia, and it was on the road in their place. And and if if that were to happen, that that is just an an outstanding season so still a lot to play for this weekend and, and i expect fans to recognize that to recognize the seniors going through the t for the final time and i, I think it'll be a, a loud uh, and i'll say hostile environment at noon in Nealon stadium on saturday
3: yeah and i think before we go to break here i'll, I'll say this too there are guys in history for different teams who even if they didn't at times play for like the greatest teams in program history they're beloved figures for a reason and I go back to – you think about last year's senior class, those Theo Jacksons and those Valus Jones and those guys who who had every reason to leave Tennessee and didn't do it. Uh, they No one would have cast any dispersions whatsoever on those kids if during all that stuff with Pruitt gone and then Heupel comes in and you're talking about what how bad are these NCAA penalties going to be, 30 of your teammates plus have left for the portal already – that those kids didn't leave. They stayed. They looked each other in the eye in that locker room, and they made promises to each other that they were staying and they were going to fight through this thing. And they did. And they helped Tennessee become a little more relevant last season. Uh, they they helped Tennessee play really an exciting brand of football for most of last season. And that's why those those guys like those Theo Jacksons and valus Jones Juniors, people will remember them for a long time, not because they won championships, but because of how much they meant to the program and what they did during that time. And then you 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 combine that with what this class is going to be remembered as, you know those those uh, those Hendon Hookers of the world, those Latrell Bumpfuses of the world, you know those kinds of guys on this team, the Byron Youngs, the, those types who who have done, you know Darnell Wrights, the guys who have stayed and and when they really could have gone somewhere else and 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 no one would have blamed them for doing that, they stayed, they fought, and they made themselves potentially potentially a championship team that is still very much a possibility when that game kicks off at noon on saturday tennessee still has i believe the third best odds to make the college football playoff tennessee is very much in the national championship race now to get there you'd have to probably beat two teams in the playoff who probably have more talent than you do most likely but Alabama has more talent than Tennessee. Tennessee won that game. You know, I mean, they, those yes. guys on a neutral field could go do something like that. So when you think about what these guys, what all these guys inherited when Heupel and these guys walked in and and they they chose to believe in each other and the cause and look what they've become. I mean, this is like one of the most, you know, it's like the Jeffersons, man, like moving on up, like these guys have done a lot for this program, and they've taken what could have been one of the most embarrassing stretches in program history and, and made it one of the more memorable in recent decades. So, yeah, I mean, I think I would hope that people show up there early. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their life or their time or what their schedule, but I would like to think that they would be there on time, you know, early to show those guys love and be there for the Vol Walk. It would have been nice if this game had been at 7 p.m. for them, so they could have... You know, really been there on time and been able to to, to pregame throughout the, the the day and get, get excited for it. Um, but you know what? Kegs and eggs, man. Go go get it done, right? Uh, go go get it done because I I, I think these guys have, have earned it, just to, to be honest with you. And, you know, maybe you're going to go to the South Carolina game too. Maybe you're going to go to the game in Nashville. Maybe you'll go to the bowl game. But this will be their last time in Neyland. uh for a lot of them. You know, Cedric Tillman too, be his last game in Neyland because he ain't coming back for his extra first COVID year. He gone. So
2: he, he he is good as gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's not just the, the senior day stuff that both you and I have discussed. I, there is still so much to play for. And I I completely disagree with TCU being four and, and Tennessee being five. It, it should have been the other way around. I voiced that opinion on our Tuesday night podcast after the rankings were released. So if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to go back in and, and listen. Wes, Ryan Callahan and myself all pretty much. Uh, felt the same way, generally speaking. But, but uh, Ryan, had,
3: Ryan counterpointed a little bit just because he's Ryan.
2: Yes, yes. We, we all essentially agreed, but did have different ways of of getting to agreeing, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still so much to play for, and, and the point that I, I was getting to is that even though Tennessee is five and TCU is four, and I do disagree with that, in listening to some national media members this week, it, it sounds like they feel if that were the final rankings, then then maybe that would not have been the case, which tells you that if Tennessee goes out and handles its business these next three weeks against Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, there is a very, very strong chance that Tennessee is in the freaking college football playoffs. And I would imagine that Tennessee is a four seed if, if they do make the playoffs, which would match – them up with Georgia. Yeah, that's right why right I think that that's gates. why I
3: think they'd be the three because I think I think they just make them the three to avoid that as a semifinal.
2: Yeah, maybe they they do, but if if we're not factoring in teams matching up for a second time, if, if Tennessee and Georgia had not play, already played, then I would imagine Tennessee would be the four seed just because. Uh, well, and I guess Ohio State and Michigan are in there. One of those teams is going to lose, so maybe Tennessee could sneak up to three. Anyways, but I I still think that this team has a chance to win a national championship. I I really do. Would I pick them to win the national championship? No, I would pick Georgia after what we saw Georgia do to Tennessee this past weekend. But Tennessee still has a great chance because I, I feel like there's only one team that can do to Tennessee what they did, and, and that's Georgia. I think I, Ohio I State know,
3: maybe could too, maybe. I think Ohio State I maybe I don't could.
2: think Ohio State can match Georgia from a physical standpoint. I, 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 I Obviously, Ohio State is very capable of beating Tennessee, not, not trying to say that Ohio State doesn't have a chance. Obviously, they do. They have a ton of talent, but we've seen Tennessee beat talented teams time and time again this season. The difference with Georgia and Alabama, Georgia and LSU, Georgia and Florida is is that they have the talent, but that talent is is far more physical than than those other teams. Than in Alabama, you heard Jalen Hyatt say it: Georgia is way more physical than Alabama, and and that is the kryptonite to this offense, at, at least in year two, because of it, it only being year two and, and maybe not being able to establish some depth and, and develop guys a, a little bit more and and have more. NFL-level talent sprinkled throughout the football team, Georgia was able to bully Tennessee. And the only other team that I think could possibly do that is Michigan, maybe. Uh, Michigan plays a, a very physical brand yeah. of football. I would pick Tennessee to beat Michigan because even though Michigan plays physical football, they're not going to have the same bullies that that Georgia does. Nobody does. So – uh I think Tennessee still has a great chance at winning a national championship West. And I know I'm a little long winded. I'll, I'll wrap it up with this thought that I would pick Georgia to beat Tennessee in a rematch on a neutral field. I would, I, I can't not pick Georgia to beat Tennessee if they play again after what I saw in Athens. But what I will say is I sure would like to see a rematch because Tennessee was flustered from the jump because of that crowd. And that would not be as much of a factor on a neutral field. So if Tennessee can avoid a disastrous start the way that it did, if they're able to score an early touchdown and calm things, settle the waters, again, not saying that Tennessee would, would win just because of that, but I think it would be a much more competitive football game. And I think Tennessee would have a chance to win. Uh, So uh, th- this season is not lost, and, and this this Saturday is just the beginning, although Tennessee is going to have to be kind of keeping an eye on the scoreboard throughout the day as well and, and get some help elsewhere.
3: Yeah, because if Tennessee got to play on a neutral field anywhere, uh, and, and both fan bases and everyone w- w- was given equal opportunity to get the tickets, uh, Tennessee would not be playing in a hostile crowd. It would be playing in, at best, a 50-50 crowd against anybody because Tennessee fans have been waiting to buy tickets for something like that for a long time, so... Yeah, I, I would, uh, I, I would, I would say the the same thing there. I would pick Georgia to win, but uh, I would like to see that game, and I think Tennessee would like to get a chance to play that game too. But if you don't beat Missouri, uh, you don't, you don't go beat South Carolina, and you don't go beat Vanderbilt, you don't get any of those things, and uh, that starts with Missouri this week. So we'll we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, talk a little bit more about Tennessee, Mizzou, maybe also talk a little bit of baseball because Ben. The hardest-working man in show business right now was in Jackson, Tennessee, busting his behind to get there on Sunday to talk about Tennessee's game against Memphis. Got the fall baseball uh, Orange and White World Series coming up. So lots and lots to discuss there. Also, obviously, some more Tennessee-Mizzou football. And then we'll have some more basketball stuff over the weekend too. So this is, man, I'll tell you, you got three top ten basically teams right now. Guys, enjoy it. These These are the times as a fan that you live for. So enjoy them. And uh, but before you do that, uh, go enjoy these uh, commercials, these products, and ads, services, in-house ads, etc. Blah blah blah. Hashtag ad. Money. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you here on Go twenty four sevens 24-7's podcast. And, and this has just been the worst, the worst episode of transitions that I think I've had in a long, long time. And I apologize for that. It's just, you know, some days you just got it. Some days you just don't. Um, and most days I don't have it, but today I especially don't have it. So I apologize for that. You deserve better than that world. So uh, imagine me being John Cusack with with a boombox over my head saying I'm sorry about these transitions today. Ben won't get that reference because he's too young to know what movie I am discussing there. We got a lot more Tennessee football and some Tennessee baseball to discuss. But before we do that, guys, just a quick um, request from our end. If you could take about a minute out of your day, maybe 60 seconds, maybe 75 seconds, maybe 90 seconds tops, go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast. We sure would appreciate it. If you're just listening there on the website at GoVols247.com, that's fine. We love you. No wrong way to consume the twenty 247 podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Um, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this Go 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. You never want to say no complaints, but very few complaints from our end. But since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and subscribe and rate and review. And tell your friends. Tell people you see out there at the golf course. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see walking your dog or at the dog park. Tell people that you see if you're one of those hippies playing frisbee golf. Tell people uh, that you see if you're going out, you know, duck hunting or whatever you're hunting this time of year. Go tell your buddies there. You're up in the tree blind. You don't want to say it too loudly because you, you don't want to scare the the animals away. But you say, hey, hey, over there, guy wearing the orange camo, you, you should listen to the Tennessee The Go Fall 24-7 podcast. Say it like that. Tell people that you see out around town. Tell people you see wearing orange clothing. Be like, hey, man, you're a Tennessee fan. I'm a Tennessee fan. I got a great podcast you should listen to. Good old-fashioned word of mouth. It still works, too. So if you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, before we get back to football, uh, I do want to take advantage of of the opportunities that have been afforded to us by you uh, busting your backside off and getting over to Jackson, Tennessee on Sunday to watch Tennessee whoop up on Memphis in an 18-inning uh, exhibition there in front of a sold out crowd, a sold out crowd that sold out in 15 minutes there at a stadium 300 miles from Tennessee's campus. That that is amazing the things that are happening right now in Tennessee Athletics and in that baseball program, just 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 great stuff and and if there's any doubt and there never should have been Everything in West Tennessee that's not Shelby County proper is absolutely still Big Orange Country. There is no question about that whatsoever. Tennessee fans were there in force, uh, and uh, they got to see Tennessee, uh, including a couple Tennessee kids, do some really big things in that game, and they got the fall baseball, um, the Orange and White, I believe, World Series is what they're calling it these days, the Orange and White World Series on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday there at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Ben, I know we, we spoke with Tony Vitello for about half an hour last week. You've talked to him certainly more than I have the past couple of months. How does he feel like things are going for his program right now? Because you look at it, they're bringing back three potential first-round guys for their weekend rotation still. Um, they're getting Seth Halverson back in the bullpen finally. Uh, they've got some other big live arms. They've brought in another good recruiting class. But they're also replacing – a tremendous amount of offensive production uh, from last season and Reb and Walsh on the back end of the bullpen gone. Will maybe from the back end of the bullpen gone. So they've got a lot to replace, um, but they've also got a lot coming back. And I got to feel like, especially with the the great strength czar they've got that's been back in the program now um, with, with Q being back, I got to feel like Vitello probably feels pretty good about where things are right now.
2: He does, and, and he does because he has so much talent. Uh, th- this Tennessee team is going to be really, really good. They're, they're going to be preseason top five for sure, and I would imagine that they're, they're going to be preseason number two behind LSU. LSU went out and, and landed a bunch of really talented transfers. Uh, Paul Skeens, who is a, a future first-round pick who transferred yeah. from Air Force. Tennessee wanted uh, him bad. They they did initially uh, until they realized that he wanted to be the Friday night starter. and. Well, Chase Dolander, the, the potential number one overall pick in the draft, is going to be the uh, Friday night starter for Tennessee. But they, they wanted Skeens more for the catching aspect of things, and, and it seems he was more focused on on pitching. So they, they really wanted him initially, and, and I feel like that that interest mutually uh, fell off, and that's why you saw him go to LSU. And, and they also got Tommy White, who did consider Tennessee the – the big phenom freshman from NC State who just hits a, a, a lot of home runs. Tommy Tanks. Uh, he, yeah, Tommy Tanks. He's great for college baseball. He's at LSU, and, and there's several other players that LSU went out and got. On top of Dylan Cruz returning, who's going to be a top five pick, Trey Morgan and and so many other guys. So uh, I think Tennessee will probably be preseason number two. If not number two, then they'll be number three or number four. Uh, and, and that's because they have a ton of talent, and, and it's just going to – be a a situation of how good are they going to be they're they're not going to be what they were last year because last year was unrealistic in, in terms of to expect that going forward last year was a dream of sorts and a once in a century type of season outside of winning a national championship so this is a team that can absolutely make it back to Omaha that should be the expectation Anything short of making it to Omaha, and I would say probably winning a couple of games in Omaha is, is probably going to be a failure with this team because they have plenty of arms. And I think that's the thing that has surprised Tony the most in, in a positive way, is that they, they've got some pitching depth. Obviously, you have Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, Chase Burns as the the likely starting three. Uh, you've got some big bullpen arms. Seth Alverson is getting back healthy. Zach Joyce, the twin brother of Ben Joyce, decided he wanted to, to play baseball again. So uh, he, he's pitching, and I think he'll be a key piece out of the bullpen. Camden Sewell elected to return for another year. Which, Kirby is, huge. Connell is, Which is huge. Yes, Camden being back is huge. Kirby Connell um, is back and just a veteran lefty arm, crafty lefty that they, they trust a, a whole lot. Uh, Xander Seacrest is a guy that I think can can kind of be the next – Redmond, the, the next Kirby. Wyatt Evans, uh, a freshman last season who is now a sophomore, uh, a lefty. He's a future first-round pick, more than likely. He's going to have a huge role out of the bullpen. Uh, and, and then there's some other interesting names. Andrew Lindsey, a transfer from Charlotte who uh, sat out last year due some due to some personal things going on in, in his life. And, and he is a, a Tennessee native, uh, and he looked good on Sunday against – Uh, Memphis had two strikeouts in in his only inning of work. Uh, And and then you've added arms as well. You've added a couple of JUCO arms that that have been really fascinating to watch this fall. Uh, Turner Swistack, who Tony pointed out when I spoke to him after the game in in the video that I put out. Um, And uh, Jake Bimby, uh, Bryce Jenkins. Uh, They've added four or five JUCO arms that, that are very interesting on top of some freshman arms that will be big time arms for them down the stretch. I don't know that there's any freshman that is going to come in and and have the type of impact that beam or Evans or, or Burns did last year, but uh, they'll they'll be able to get some midweek innings and and look well. So uh, this, this team's in a great spot. And and I think the coaching staff really feels good about this team. Uh, The pitching staff has a ton of depth and it's not just depth that they have that they're, they're real, real, real arms (laughs) that are going to be pitching for a long time. So Ah, uh, that that is going to be the the strength of this team, in my opinion. But I mean, I haven't even mentioned the lineup. I mean, the the lineup is going to be riddled with ridiculous talent. Uh, and, and to try to keep it short and sweet because this is a football pod. But uh, Zane Ditton is going to hit a lot of home runs. The Alabama transfer at third base, Maui Ahuna, is probably the most naturally talented guy. Uh, possibly on the roster, certainly in the lineup, and, and he's a wizard.
3: That that, that says a lot with CMO in the lineup. That says a lot.
2: Correct. It, it does. And, 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 again, it just speaks to how much talent is, is on this roster because Christian Moore at second base has had a terrific, terrific fall. Uh, Blake Burke ha- has been Blake Burke over there at first. Uh, I think Jared Dickey is going to be the starting catcher, and, and he's dealing with a little bit of an injury at the moment. He took a foul ball off of his middle finger that required surgery, but he's already back to catching. Um, it was his not it was his throwing hand, so he could still catch. So he's still been able to to do some things here and there. And uh, I spoke to him recently, and and the cast is about to come off. So uh, just just something that that is keeping him out of fall ball, ball at, at the end here. But I expect him to be a, the, the starting catcher, and, and he's looked fine behind the plate defensively. You know he can swing it at the plate. And yeah. and, and then the outfield just has an embarrassment of riches. They, they don't necessarily have a ton of proven guys. They, they don't have any guys that are proven in the SEC. They, they went out and got Griffin Merritt, the the AAC player of the year last year at Cincinnati, and, and he has just absolutely unreal power. He's going to start in, in one of the corner outfield spots. Uh, Kyle Booker has had a tremendous finish here to fall, fall ball, and, and I, I think he's going to be the starting center fielder. Uh, and and then I think uh, a freshman like Dylan Dryling or – I think Dryling would be the starter as of today, but they have three freshman outfielders. that it, It's silly that they made it to campus, and Dylan Dryling, Reese Chapman, Alex Stan, which they're, they're going to have tremendous careers. At, I, I, at I, I like, yeah,
3: like Caveras tears too. That kid's got a light tower power.
2: Correct. Yep. And and he was going to be the next name that I mentioned that it's going to be real hard for for them to keep Kavar's tears out of the lineup. He's a guy that was a a little hefty as a true freshman last year and and, uh, was kept to right field and and first base because of how hefty he was. But he's gotten in shape and he's playing center field and and he looks comfortable out there. Again, he's going to be a guy that's really hard to keep out of the lineup. So. Uh, the the lineup looks completely different for the most part, outside of Blake Burke and and Christian Moore and and Jared Dickey, uh, but even those three are are going to have bigger roles this season. They they weren't the main guys who had to carry the lineup last year. They they could kind of uh, just blend in with the Trey Lipscomb's and Jordan Bex and and Drew Gilbert. So uh, they'll, they'll have new roles. We'll see how they adjust, but it, it may be a new lineup, but there's still a ton of talent over there and. Uh, it, it's a team that can absolutely win the national championship.
3: Yeah, and they've got a culture that used to kick an ass too which which helps. I mean, they they uh the way they ended last season, obviously no one's going to forget that. Uh, that was uh that was a kick to the beanbag, but uh that that team uh that culture within that program, uh they know they're the villains, they don't care. Uh they want to beat you by 30 runs every game and they want to rub it in your face while they're doing it and uh, that does not bother them. And we'll see if Vitello, as he becomes an older coach, if he makes it that long as a coach, uh, if he doesn't you know, burn himself out before then, uh, you know, if his mentality changes a little bit. But I kind of doubt that it will. I think he kind of is who he is for the most part. I don't see him being like an elder statesman in 20 years who's like the voice of reason in the game. I think he's kind of a natural rebel. That's just sort of who he is, and, and that's what they're going to be. And they don't care about that. But we had to talk about it because that's just – there's a lot – um, it's a big time of year, and Ben covers baseball better than anybody around here. We had to mention that because if these guys are selling out fall exhibitions 300 miles away from their from their hometown, uh, we need to talk about it uh because that is that is a big deal
2: yeah it 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 feels weird real quick before we get back to football and not to cut you off but the 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 drop off in interest in baseball has has not been as much as i I thought it would be with with the season being over i I continually get message messages on the board and and private messages on the site uh, asking about the baseball team and and i get dms i get text messages from friends and family uh and i I get tweets all the time and, and dms all the time the the interest in tennessee baseball is real so um, and, and I I absolutely love to see it because when I was covering Dave Serrano games a, as a student journalist, I never thought I'd see the day in, in which um there there would be coverage of fall baseball the, the way that there has been coverage this fall uh, and also last fall. But also, I, I went to Memphis last year, last fall, when they played Louisiana Tech in an exhibition in Millington, Tennessee, outside of Memphis. At the USA Stadium that they have over there in West Tennessee, and that was jam packed. And that was coming off of a, a trip to Omaha, and, and then this year, uh, over seven thousand tickets sold uh, there at the ballpark at Jackson, and, and it was sold out within fifteen minutes. And they they sold a bunch of standing room only tickets. I, I never thought I'd see the the day. And obviously, college football is king. It's the breadwinner. SEC football, college football, is by far my my favorite. Thing to cover because of how big it is and, and how awesome it is, but baseball is by far my favorite sport. That's what I played growing up, so uh, I appreciate that Tennessee has finally caught up to the rest of the SEC in that regard.
3: And I think everyone knows basketball is my favorite thing to cover. So, um, and and you know, and I I absolutely enjoy covering football too. But uh, baseball, baseball, and soccer are my two favorite sports, and I love covering college basketball the most. I just do. And, um, but, you know, uh, covering college football can be fun again, as it's been reminded of the past couple of years, Hey, it can actually be fun again when it's, you know, when, when what you're covering is relevant, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to, 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 to matter in a certain extent. I said the other day, I think I put it on Twitter a couple of days ago that I've spent most of the past 20 years telling Tennessee fans that unfortunately for them, their team is not as good as they think it is. And, uh, just sorry, but there, there's too many holes. There's. Other teams have too much. That this is just not what you want it to be, Um and, and that means that the, this season it's been so rare to be like. There's absolutely no reason that team should be out of the top four in the college football playoff. It should not be fifth. It should be fourth. It's different to say those things, and then you get attacked by other people saying you're just a homer. I'm like, have you been here for the past twenty years and seen the things that I've had to tell these people every day, dude? They think I hate Tennessee. Well, well you can't have it both ways. Like I. I didn't think they were as good back then. I think they're good now. Well, my,
2: my favorite part about that, Wes, and I said it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I won't shy away from it now, but the, the person who is calling you out Kentucky week is one of the biggest homers in the entire SEC for the team that, that he covers. And, and of all people to call a homer on, on our beat being you, I, I thought was hysterical.
3: Well, it's just, it's just funny. I mean, it's, You know, the first thing I, when I got in this business, one of the first things one of my first bosses told me was if half the people think you hate the team you cover and the other half think you love them too much, then you're probably doing your job about right. So that, that's sort of, I was like, yeah, or that just means everybody hates you. He's like, well, both those things, both those things can be true. And and so I just try to say what I think is the truth. And if people like it, they do. And if they, they don't like it, they don't like it. And that's fine. Ben, there is a chance that we do not, uh, have our normal, at least in terms of its normal iteration, a normal game day preview podcast because uh, we had someone lined up, a good friend of ours, to to do the uh, the pregame podcast stuff for Mizzou, um, and we 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 will have better nofo. That's still going to be fine. Um, but he had some some traveling things, some other things come up, and he won't be able to do it tomorrow like he thought he was going to be able to. So there is a chance that the next time people hear from us is after the game Saturday. Not guaranteeing it but there's a chance that's the case. So if that is the case, let's jump the, the curb a little bit here and let's talk about what we think might happen in this game. We can't give our full predictions yet because those come out first on the site on Friday, and we don't pick games anywhere else until they go on the site at Go Vols 24-7 on Friday. But I think we've both alluded to the fact that we think Tennessee is going to win. I'm not sure I can pick Tennessee to cover just because I'm not looking at this in a vacuum. I'm looking at, All these other close games Mizzou's been playing, and I think there's got to probably be a reason for that. Now, if Mizzou had gone down to Athens, that game may have been different. The game was in Columbia. Clearly, Georgia was not interested in playing football that day, and it had to kind of pull something out of its backside in the second half. Regardless, uh, playing that Georgia team that close uh, should get people's attention. Uh, and being more physical than that Georgia team for most of that game should definitely get people's attention. And all these games have been close. So, what, what do what, what are your general thoughts on what's going to happen in this game?
2: Well, I, I want to back up on you and, and throw an audible your way, and I, I want to revisit something from the Georgia ooh, game that ooh, that you just please, mentioned. Please do. It, it, please do. It, it's been an interesting conversation this week, in in my opinion, in terms of. How Tennessee's loss to Georgia is being viewed, and I, I I think it is certainly fair to to say that despite Tennessee losing by fourteen uh, and twenty seven to thirteen, it, it, it's much prettier than than say the Oregon score was. And I'm not necessarily trying to get into the whose loss was better, Tennessee's or Oregon's to Georgia. That that's not the point that I'm bringing up. But it's more of the, the perception of, of Tennessee in that football game because I, I've heard Georgia media members uh, and, and some SEC media members and, and some national ones as well say that, well, Georgia could have named its score and that if it weren't for the rain and, and Kirby calling off the dogs, pun intended there, there in, in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, and, and Kirby did, I think think because of i I do i do think there's something to be said for that i I do think kirby took his took his foot off the pedal a a little bit there because of the rain uh they they certainly stopped throwing it as much as they were he said so uh in in the video that was kind of going around on twitter last night uh the the inside the sec thing uh was was focused on georgia and it showed the post-game speech that that kirby had and and kirby said step we 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 kind of had to cool off there on – I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he said that they purposefully quit throwing the ball as much and, and quit using Stetson as much because it poured down rain. So I'm interested in your perspective on that, Wes. Do do you buy into the fact that Georgia could have named its score, that, that that's where the game was, was trending? Because I, I don't believe that to be the case. I, I do think there is something to be said that they stopped throwing the football the way that they did when – when, when it was raining the way that it was. But George, Georgia's defense completely dominated Tennessee's offense. There, there's no bones about that. But the, where I separate from what I'm bringing up with what others outside of Knoxville are saying, I don't think Georgia's offense dominated Tennessee's defense. Were they better than Tennessee's defense? Yes. But they did not physically dominate. And I don't think that Kirby could have just named his score on Saturday because there were times where Tennessee was able – To create turnovers, get off the field when when they absolutely needed a stop, and and for the most part, outside of a couple of chunk plays, they they did kind of corral Georgia's offense.
3: Yeah, I think that's a huge, gigantic load of BS, uh, that that whole theory. And, And the reason why is I don't think the weather drastically impacted Georgia's plan whatsoever in the second half. Because when you get up on a team like Tennessee by a couple of scores, the very worst thing you can do is give them more chances to get that offense going. If it had been sunny and 72 degrees, if it had been snowing, if it had been raining, if it had been 10 below zero, I don't think it changes what the plan is. The plan in that situation is exactly what Kirby Smart did, which was run, clock, run. That drive where Georgia went like nine minutes and scored a touchdown, Tennessee would rather have given up a 90-second touchdown drive than a nine-minute field goal drive. At that point in the game, the clock is Tennessee's biggest enemy. And Kirby Smart knew that. And could Georgia have maybe thrown the ball and and maybe gotten a few more points? Yes. Yes, I think it could have. I also think it's possible that that, that you could throw a pick you could have a you, you could have Byron Young peeling around your left tackle and blowing up your quarterback and causing a fumble six if the refs would allow it, unlike you know Ole Miss last season where they were like no. Um, generally speaking, Georgia did exactly what it needed to do, but I I don't I, I'm not a believer in they were you know backing off the dogs trying to you know not get it out of hand. No, Georgia did what it needed to do. But that does not mean that it could have scored 70 points if it wanted to. That is a load of crap is what that is. What Kirby Smart did was the right thing to do, which is give Tennessee's offense fewer chances to get going. You do not want to get into a pinball fight with Tennessee because you might win it, but odds are there's a good chance you're going to lose it. You don't want your opponent to play the kind of game it wants to play. This goes back to like Sun Tzu and the Art of War and all that. Don't do what your opponent wants you to do. Don't do what the enemy wants you to do. Tennessee wants you to get going fast, and Tennessee wants you – and Georgia got out there early on, went some no huddle, went some tempo, and that's smart because they're trying to get up on Tennessee because you don't want to get behind the sticks against this team. You want to get ahead of them. But once you, if you can get ahead of them, you immediately – you try to pound the run, do controlled passing, run the clock, convert third and shorts – and just demoralize them and let the clock run. I don't think that Georgia could have scored like 60 points in that game if it wanted to. I do not for one moment buy that because Tennessee's –
2: It could have against Oregon.
3: Yes, yes, absolutely could have. They had their backup in for like the entire fourth quarter. I, I think that if you try to compare in any way the Oregon game to the Tennessee game, you are being fundamentally dishonest. That is a bad faith argument. And you are being either ignorant or you are being like maliciously wrong. There those I watched both of those games. Those were not the same game. In the Oregon game, for instance, which by the way was not played in Athens, was played in Atlanta, but on a neutral field, and you asked Tennessee the difference in playing in Nissan Stadium and playing in Neilan Stadium. It's different. It's way different. And in that game, I don't recall Georgia or Oregon having the ball at midfield with five minutes left and three timeouts and a chance to make it a one score game. I don't recall that being the case. Or maybe four minutes left and three timeouts and a chance to make it a one score game. Oregon was down 49 to three like early in the fourth quarter. That thing was done. You look at the Tennessee Florida game, it was almost the exact opposite in some ways of that um, or or mirrored in a lot of ways the Tennessee-Georgia game because Florida was down like three scores or whatever. Tennessee backed off a little bit, trying to run clock, get out there and and win the game. Florida hits some stuff downfield, then gets an onside kick and gets a chance at the end to go maybe steal the game. Tennessee, if it has the first and 10, like at the 40 or 45-yard line, wherever it was, three timeouts left plenty of time on the clock. Tennessee had a chance to go score a touchdown there and either get an onside kick or have three timeouts left and maybe get the ball back with a chance in a few seconds left to go try to win the game. That that absolutely could have happened. It didn't and and it wasn't likely going to happen, but it wasn't likely to happen in the Florida-Tennessee game either. It wasn't likely to happen then. It just did because that's what the law of nature demands when Tennessee plays Florida. Nothing is easy. But Uh, To think that that's the exact same game as as Oregon-Georgia was is completely and horrifically wrong. And I don't know if it's because someone is ignorant and doesn't understand the game or someone who has some sort of an agenda that they're trying to get across and they're being just willfully wrong about it, knowing what they're saying is wrong. Those are the two choices. Because those were not the same game. Like the, the one common denominator is that Georgia was not seriously threatened in either game. But Georgia was much closer to being threatened against Tennessee than it ever was against Oregon. That's not even remotely the same thing. I think Georgia finished with about hundred yards more than Tennessee did in that game. Georgia turned the ball over twice in that game. Like, you know, Tennessee turned it over twice on downs and also had to settle for a field goal, two field goals. Like that, that game is very close to being different. Not very close to being like Tennessee winning, but very close to being a threatening game for Georgia on its home field. To say those are the same thing, I, like don't even get me started. Now, if you want to make the argument that that's Dan Lanning's first game at Oregon, I'll, I'll listen to that argument because that has some validity to it. That's your very first game as a new coach at a, at a staff. You, you get a pass a little bit for that. That's the argument that you make if you're pro-Oregon in, in this whole thing. If you're making any other argument, you're wrong. Because even if Oregon wins out, I'm not sure its resume is going to be better than Tennessee's. Now, if TCU wins out, it belongs in the playoff. If Tennessee wins out, it belongs probably in the playoff. Unless, unless TCU goes undefeated and maybe Michigan or Ohio State beats Michigan like by three points at the buzzer. So to speak, if that exact scenario happens, then you probably have Georgia one and Ohio state two and TCU three, and then a really tough call to make with Michigan and Tennessee at four, like a legitimately tough argument. That's a tough scenario for Tennessee. But even if LSU wins out and wins the SEC championship, Tennessee's resume is better than LSU's. It has fewer losses and it beat the crap out of LSU in its own stadium. So that's another BS argument. None of those arguments, to me, hold water at all. And I would say that if I didn't cover Tennessee. I would say that if I covered another program, because that, to me, is just a fact. It just, it's not, the caliber of resume is not the same. But, I mean, we'll see. I I think it, it needs to be said, too, Ben, before we get out of here. Just about every year they've had this college football playoff. There has been a tremendous amount of controversy along the way. The first, you know, those first four or five polls or whatever they are. By the end, just about every year, there's very little argument over who should be those four teams. Like, you yeah, had Texas a a couple years ago during the weird COVID year. That was a weird one. Um, and you could have made an argument that it should have been in the playoff. And that would have been a fair argument. But everybody played only in their conference. It was a weird deal. It was hard to have comparisons between leagues. That, that, that was a weird year. Um, And then the other one, I think there was a Penn State team that maybe won the Big Ten, but it had two losses, and it got left out, and it could have had an argument. There have been three or four teams maybe throughout the years where there have been a legitimate argument. But just about every year, by the end of it, the committee gets it right. So I I think we need to hold off on serious judgment until we see what the Final Four ends up looking like, because Tennessee could go lose one of these next three games, right? Uh, Or or somebody could come out of the Pac-12 and not just win out, but win by 30 points a game. TCU could either win out or get blown out, but then when the big 12, a billion things could happen, right? Georgia could lose once. And then what do you do? You know, there's a lot of things that, that could change the dynamics of this race. So I think we need to hold off on judgment, but um, what you hear, if you're a Tennessee fan on Tuesday night should make you a little upset. I think
2: it it, it should, it it absolutely should. And uh, I just, uh, I don't, agree with the narrative that Georgia just absolutely could have named its score uh, against Tennessee. I don't think that was the case at all. I, I think Tennessee's defense did some nice things. I thought uh, Aaron Beasley played well at times. I, I thought the linebackers played better than, than I thought that they would. Um, wasn't good enough to win uh, as as a unit. Uh, I, I thought the defensive line got pushed around maybe more than than we had seen but Georgia wasn't going out there and just naming its it score. Uh, Georgia out-physicaled Tennessee mostly because of what it was able to do on the defensive side of the football. And, and I also do think that, that Tennessee was also very flustered after those first two drives because of the pre-snap penalties uh, on, the, on the first two possessions. I, I think it compl- completely got them out of sorts. And that, that's why I said earlier I would like to see this game played on a neutral site. I would pick Georgia to win, but I, I would be surprised if Georgia just absolutely dominated Tennessee uh, a second time. So I, I just thought that was an interesting narrative coming out of Athens and, and some SEC media members uh, this week. But for this game in particular, Wes, uh, I, I think it's just re- really simple in terms of what Tennessee needs to do. In, in order to take care of business uh, against Missouri and and not just win, but also not allow this to, to be a game late in the fourth quarter that it's sweating out. You, you just got to take care of the football better than you did last week, uh, which, oh, by the way, I did want to make this point on on the weather. Hendon Hooker was trying to throw the ball in a monsoon, and and he had like three or four throws that were open on the perimeter where the ball just sailed because the football was just wet. From from it raining as, as hard as it did, I had one almost hit me in the head on the sideline. Uh, Cedric Tillman was wide open in front of me, and Hooker just could not make the throw because of, of how wet the football was. So uh, I, I thought that was interesting as well, and, and wanted to point that out. But got to take care of the football better than they did last week. Uh, but but aside from the the old cliches of winning the turnover margin and and no pre snap penalties and, and those type of things, Tennessee's. Tennessee has to reassert itself in the trenches this week. I'm not really concerned about Tennessee's defensive line going up against the Missouri offensive line. I think that's a matchup that, that Tennessee should absolutely win. It, it'll be extremely disappointing if they don't. The, the bigger question is, can Tennessee's offensive line regain the form that it was playing with prior to Georgia, in, in which they were the better unit every single time this season Missouri's defensive front is very good, very physical, and that that is the, the area of the field that can make this game uglier than than it should be or needs to be. So if Tennessee's offensive line can come out and, and go back to the way that they were playing prior to Georgia, I, I think Tennessee just absolutely blows out Missouri because I, I don't think Missouri's offense can can come anywhere close to keeping up with Tennessee.
3: I think that Tennessee – I have zero doubt in my mind that Tennessee will win this game. I just, again, if Missouri can shrink the game, if it can make just enough plays up front, if Tennessee, you know, isn't able to do that thing where Tennessee can get four or five yards of carry, which then really opens up the offense again. um, If Tennessee can't do those things, then this is going to be, I think, maybe a closer game than people want it to be. But I'm not worried that Tennessee might lose it. I think... Especially in these noon games, Tennessee always seems to come out and play well. And and Heupel, I asked him about it earlier today, on Thursday, and and he said that, you know, he's had teams that they practice in the afternoon and they still come out there for eleven a.m. central games and they're fine. Um, and and and, and when he was coaching in the central time zone, so so I think that, you know, it, it, it's I don't know what the reason is, but whatever it is, the past couple of years they've come out in these noon games and they've just put a hurting on people. So I I think that will be interesting because normally you think about you want to play home games at at night um, and the the lights at Nealand are very cool and all that and that's very true but um, and the crowd maybe gets a little bit more amped up for night games that's absolutely true but Tennessee seems to play really well in these noon games so I I think they'll be okay um, but they do have to go out there and play and I'll be really interested to see what their focus level is. Uh, Are they mad about last week? Are they mad enough about last week to do something about it? Because the fact is, you just want to win out and then, and then see where the chips are at that point, right? But and if you if you offered Hypel right now uh, three wins, but they're all kind of close wins, but you win them, I think he'd bite your arm off to take it because that's three wins. And you're finishing 11-1, and your team is out on the field, so to speak, Norman Dale style, and you'll take your chances with the playoff committee. He would say, okay, whatever they are, three wins, boom, put it in the bank. But the fact is, you probably – Need to impress a little bit if you can. So I wouldn't say Tennessee needs to press, but I do think it needs to play with an edge. I think it needs to play with intensity. And I think it needs to, uh, if it gets the opportunity, keep people on the field in the fourth quarter. Keep playing the game. Don't don't embarrass anybody on purpose, but go out there and play the game. And if you get a chance to put up points, put up points. Um, but at the end of the day, this comes down to Tennessee's level of focus and execution. And if Tennessee goes out there focused and determined and executes – Tennessee wins this game comfortably, even if it doesn't cover the spread. But I, I, I just, I think this is a big week for Tennessee um, because I in, in Vanderbilt you don't really have anything to worry about. You go to on the road to South Carolina for a night game. You got to take care of some things there. That's going to be a hostile crowd, and and that's a that's at least a capable, decent football team. Um, but but a decent football team, a decent football team. What depends on it depends they, on what, it, have, it, it depends on what you define team. decent as. I think they're a decent football team. They're not a good football team. Think, They're decent.
2: Well, I I think if you're not a good football team, then then you're probably a, a bad football team. Mm. I, I, no, no gray. Pieces. No gray
3: in Ben's world. It's black or white. There's no gray <laughs> in McKee world.
2: I I they have some pieces that could possibly make it interesting when you factor in the crowd and it being in a away game for Tennessee and night game and that uh, that place will be rocking trying to play spoiler for Tennessee but uh, Spencer Rattler could possibly give Tennessee some issues but I I just think he is very very overrated they're not good at the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball Uh, they they lack playmakers and and the the playmaker that they do have a Jaheim Bell they they don't at all use him properly Uh, and defensively on on top of not being very good in the trenches I, I don't think they have anything on the back end or or at linebacker. So uh, the, the only thing that scares me about that game if I'm Tennessee is the fact that it's on the road and it's at night. Fair enough. Right. I, I think Missouri presents a, a tougher challenge X's and O's wise than, than South Carolina does just because of how physical I agree. They, they are at, at the line of scrimmage. And uh, that that is – right now I would say that physicality – is the, the kryptonite to Tennessee's offense because yes. a, there's, there's been a lot of talk this week about
3: – You beat it up front. You, know, you can beat it.
2: Scrimmage, but I don't think people are talking enough about the fact that Georgia's DBs had its way with Tennessee's receivers. And that part of that was them being okay with the dinking and the and the dunking and and making sure that they don't allow big plays over the top. But they were also more physical than Tennessee's receivers – more often than than not. I'm not saying that from start to finish, uh, Tennessee's receivers got bullied because on, I think it was Jalen Wright, his rushing touchdown, I I was standing right there next to the end zone, and Brew McCoy took the Georgia corner and absolutely buried him into the ground. Absolutely demolished him in in the running game. So I'm I'm not going to say that Georgia just... Whipped Tennessee's receivers from from start to finish, but they've they've had by far the most success of anybody this season, and it's because of how physical they were. and And, and I do wonder if a, a lack of route tree maybe hurt Tennessee in in this instance because that that was less for Georgia to prepare for. they they, they knew what was coming, and when, when it was coming, they, they bullied them at times. So that that's why I say Missouri's scares me a little bit more than South Carolina if I'm Tennessee just because Missouri's a more physical football team and I think physical football teams are, are the ones that present the most challenges for for this style of play and and part of it is also the fact that it's just year two and Heupel and this staff haven't really had a ton of time to to recruit their players and, and develop them in the weight room develop them as football players that that plays a role as well
3: yeah uh, the last thing I'll say because we're already over time is is I think that what Georgia did that other teams will try to emulate. They won't be able to do it with the same pieces that Georgia has, so it's not like they'll be able to do the exact same thing. But you heard in that leaked audio during the week in practice where Kirby Smart was saying, no layups, no layups, no layups. And I think Georgia was whistled for what, like three or four holding DPI penalties? Because when they did get beat, which wasn't a ton, but when they did get beat, they just held you. And they'll take that 10 or 15 yards because that's better than 50 yards and a touchdown. They'll take those 10 or 15 yards. And other teams, I think, will start doing that. Like if Tillman or Hyatt, McCoy runs by them, they're just going to pull them down, and they'll take that penalty. And that will give them a second to also make substitutions. That gives them a chance to do a lot of things, and I think that is what Georgia did. They basically put the – the onus on the ref to do you want to call this because we're gonna do it all day. Anytime these guys get by us, we are grabbing jersey, we're grabbing arms, we're arm barring. And if you want to call it 15 times, be our guest. But but we're gonna do it because that's better than giving up a 70 yard touchdown. And and we'll shrink the field, we'll stop them short yardage and we'll be all right. And and so I think that's what people will try to do against Tennessee now, more so than they have before. Like from now on, if I runs by somebody and he's gonna get he's gonna get pulled because that's better than giving up a touchdown. Now, the question is, can Hyatt, is he so fast that sometimes he's still going to get behind you? answer is probably yes, because he might be the fastest guy in the country playing college football right now. But Georgia did some things that other people are going to see, and they're not going to be able to do it with the same artillery that Georgia has, um, but they're going to be able to do some of it. And so I think that will be interesting because Tennessee's going to have to play through that. Tennessee's going to have to find other ways. Um, you know, the... Uh, maybe they'll they'll stop getting those uh, those bogus OPI penalties every game where people are calling them when the throws are behind the line of scrimmage. Um, you know we'll see uh, because coaches are trying to make Tennessee stop doing that and they're making that a point of emphasis to tell you know oppose. They're telling the refs every week, hey, look out for this, look out for this. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that go into it. I think Tennessee will have to make some adjustments based on the Georgia game. Um, but I think Tennessee' is capable of doing that. So I'm interested to see how how focused they are, how dialed in they are, uh, how physical they're gonna be, because uh, if they do that, then they win these next three games and we'll see where they are. Um, but you gotta go do it. You can't assume anything. You start assuming anything in this game. That's where you start losing. I mean, that's look at Alabama right now, right? you You start assuming things are gonna happen and then they just still lost those couple close games. We're lucky to not lose a couple more. Hey, don't assume anything in this sport. Go play the game. Respect your opponent and go play it. So we'll see. I'm not sure that we'll have a Friday uh, or a Friday night preview. We might still. I'm trying to, but I can't promise that right now. So there's a chance that you don't hear from us again until after the game Saturday. But fortunately, we did a little game preview here too. So I think we're covered if that's if that's the case. So, uh, Ben, you got anything else?
2: I'm good. I think this Saturday will be a, a get-right game for Tennessee. I expect the balls to win big because I, I think this offense is not going up against Georgia anymore. And I, I maintain the thought that I had pre-Georgia that, that there are no offenses in in this country that can keep up with Tennessee's offense. So I, I expect Tennessee to get get right this this weekend and and have a big win. And we'll have plenty of coverage of, of Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, and Tennessee baseball all up at Go Balls two four seven.
3: Yes, we will. We'll be there on uh on on Saturday and we'll have another episode Sunday where you will be uh, in Nashville, I will not be because my wife. I
2: hope I'm, I'm a little nervous, Wes. I, I must admit, the last two times I have ventured to Bridgestone Arena for a Tennessee basketball it has game has not played. COVID has canceled both of them. Uh, when, when when the big COVID thing happened a couple no. years ago and it canceled the SEC tournament, I was in Mount Juliet about to, to pull up when they called off the SEC tournament, uh, and, and then last year the whole Memphis Tennessee debacle. I, I was. In line, having my my bag checked, where I picked up my credentials, and it, it happened. Tennessee Memphis called off. So I'm a little nervous. I must admit. Well,
3: well, well if assuming the game is played, uh, my wife will be at a uh, a work conference in Canada, uh, in Toronto, which of course is this whole other country. So uh, I I'm not going to leave uh, the 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 grandparents just in charge of the little one. I'm going to help them do the good dad thing on Sunday, but I'll be helping out with game coverage and I will be here on the podcast uh, with Ben afterwards. So we'll be there Saturday after the game, we'll be there Sunday after the game, and if anything crazy happens until then, we'll be there too. Thanks Ben, appreciate it man.
2: Thanks Wes. hope your wife enjoys hanging out with Drake this weekend.
3: <laughs> she probably will. There's that button. And now I can say for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs and that's after a quick free trial and once you pay us that reasonable rate which is again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just Tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that. All of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That—that That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item. Everywhere you can get a podcast, you can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.
2: Where's Wes at? He already put my comments out there, so (laughs) he, he had direct quotes.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.